the State College Football Podcast. Wait a second, guys. Whoever said you had to be good to play football? With Lions Digest Football beat writer, Nathan Grilla. This is incredible. They got the guards in the backfield. They got the center to the right. And, and the quarterback isn't even there. They're standing around, bud. And former freshman football assistant, Nicholas Hoshwalter. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the State College Football Podcast. I'm Nick Hoshwalter. And I'm Nathan Grella. For your listening pleasure, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Caleb Craig. Would you like to say a few words, Caleb? Uh, yeah, no, I'm just excited to be here. Honestly, it's it's been a long time coming, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, so in case you guys don't know, and you probably don't, Caleb hangs out with us on the sidelines for a lot of the home games. And would you like to explain how you first started coming to State College Football Games? Like, not just as a fan, but what your obligations were? Uh, yeah, no, I was I was originally tasked to do a series on the marching band for the... Uh, for the school uh, broadcast, and <laughs> I I realized that with my field pass, I could get on the field and go take pictures, which I liked a lot more. So I got distracted from my assignment and ended up with these two. So yeah, so we were kind of just hanging on the sidelines one day, and um, what was it with? Was it the Alan uh, was with us? Yeah, Alan Alan was with us. Game, I believe. Yeah, against. CD East. It wasn't the homecoming game, but yeah, it was against CD East. Yeah, and so the tailgate game. We're just kind of hanging out with Alan after our live show, and I guess you knew Alan, right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty close to Alan, so I was like, Alan, you're on the sideline. This is new, and he's like, Yeah, I found the State High podcast guys, and I was like, Wait, hold up, I need to meet these guys. So, I met them, and this is where it is now. Yep, and here we are. What a journey! Um, it's it's been an experience. He has a much better camera than I do, and I am always like, "Hey, check out this cool picture." And then he's like, "Yeah, but look at this one." And I'm like, "Well, look at this one that's like right in the center of the action, and like everything is in frame." And I got the exact play. Not yeah. calling you out, Nick, but <laughs> okay. Well, I gotta say. Um, not to rip on journalism, but the fact of the matter is that I'm the only one here that is an odd journalism student, so I can't get and kicked out of it because he, I'm never... He is actually not a journalism student either. Yeah. yeah oh, story. really? Fun, fun story. I'm not in the journalism class, but my English teacher is nice enough that she is a journalism teacher, but lets me do most of the journalism stuff. Wow. Learn something new every day. <laughs> well, I'm not associated in any way with journalism. I, my authority does not come from journalism. My authority comes from my boy Billy Splane at the WesternPAFootball.net. So, I can say things like, the journalism camera sucks. But, you know what? It's good enough, and I make do. Yeah, the journalism camera is very bad. But, I wouldn't know any of that, because I'm not really good at taking pictures like these two are so like i took a picture of nick one time during the year and hit i showed it back to him it's like his whole face was blurred out and it was like focused on the wrong thing and it wasn't in frame and i was like well i, I don't know how to take pictures so. i honestly love that picture because i think it's really funny um but yeah we will actually move on to 
the point of this podcast, which is football. And let's go through very quickly the winners and the losers last week in the entire bracket. So first up in District 1, North Penn beat Ridley, a 16 seed by 12 points, 26-14. A lot closer than we would have thought. Oh, absolutely. I mean, North Penn, <clears throat> certainly not the strongest first seed in, in the state. Um, really not fantastically impressive in District 1, but I don't think we expected it to be quite that close. And then Nesha Mini... Nishimini. Nishimini. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely Nishimini. Nishimini beat Haverford, an 8th seed over a ninth seed, 35-7. to So North Penn and Nishimini will... Nishine my niece. Yes. Nishine my niece. They will play each other in the second round of the District 1 playoffs, and we'll pick that game for you now. We're doing like a combination of... Review the game and pre- preview the next game. So I'll let you guys pick this game first: North Penn versus Nishamainai. <laughs> and just real quick, Nathan likes to pronounce things wrong because if you remember in the first couple of episodes, he was always saying Mike Maniac. I and still I was, say that. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's Mike Maniac. In the first couple times, I think he was being genuine, but now he just does it. Both because it's annoying to me and because it's accurate to the fact that Mike is a pretty darn good football player. So, this is just another one of those iterations. But, in any case, North Penn versus Nishimini. Um, I picked North Penn. Despite the fact that they weren't quite as impressive, um, I still find it hard to believe that they are going to lose to Nishimini. I think they are at number one for a reason. And, I mean, State College is a very high seed, you know, I mean, or a one seed District 6, but there's only two teams. So, what do you say? But, we had a close game to Central, or to Cumberland Valley, which was not quite as expected. You know, all teams have those rough games. I don't think that really changes too much how I feel about North Penn. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with North Penn as well. I, that Nishimini win is much more convincing than North Penn's, but I like North Penn as a number one seed. I mean, it's not the strongest, but they're number one, and they've won games this year, and I think they've got that momentum. So, if they keep that up, it's gonna be a win for them. Alright, fellas. When I looked at this game, I thought... Fellas. Yes, fellas. Uh, shout out to before we started recording. Okay, listen. <laughs> can we can we name the fans of this podcast the Gre- Grellas Fellas? <laughs> can that be a thing? Please? That's only fans of me. <laughs> Uh, By the way, I just came up with that on air, so you can clap wherever you are. Yeah, it could be uh, Grello's Fellows versus Nick's House. (laughs) So, yeah, when I looked at this game, I said, man, North Penn only beat a 16 seed by 12, and Nishimini just crushed the 9th seed. So Nishimini is coming in with a lot of confidence, and let's just say... Hail to the Redskins. Nishimini takes this victory. Not deceit, Nishimini. Fight for old Nishimini. <laughs> I feel like now that you're a fan of Australian football, you care way more than most people would about fight songs. Yeah. 
But fight songs are also really awesome. So, so yeah, Nishimani Nish pulls out this one, gets the victory. Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on um, to Downingtown West. They beat Upper Darby 42-29. to And Harry S. Truman got that victory over Council Rock South. I was very disappointed. 27-12. to And those two teams will play each other in the, the District 1 next round, second round. So, hoodie... You guys have I picked Downingtown West over Harry S. Truman. Nick, what did you think? I agree. I think both of us are fans of Downingtown West. Ever since we picked them over their rival, Downingtown East, um, we've talked about how they've had a couple of very impressive wins. They seem to be a very solid football team, and I'm confident in their ability. However, we do have a dissenting opinion. Would you like to explain yourself, Caleb? No, you can go. <laughs> I'll go. Okay, so I I did pick Harry S. Truman. I don't think their win is as good as downtown Downingtown West's, but I think they can pull this out as a five seed facing a four seed. It's not unheard of. It's one place. I think they have some pretty convincing wins this year. I'm gonna go with Harry S. Truman and hope for the upset. We both agree, disagree with him. We'll agree to disagree. But um, I respect yeah. the decision. I don't think it's out of the out of the question. Certainly, this is this is going to be a fun matchup. This is like that North Allegheny Richland game we're going to see in a week. So, really exciting. Uh, up next, Coatesville crushed Central Bucks East. I think CB East, something Bucks East, uh, 48 to 10. They move on to the next round, and Downingtown East with the upset over Springford, and they move on, winning 39 to 12. And it'll be a rematch of the last week of the year, Coatesville, Downingtown East. Coatesville put up like 52 points on Downingtown East two weeks ago, um, so I believe I will just go with Coatesville on this one. It's the safe pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't like talking about the past, but when the past was two weeks ago, I think it's pretty easy to say that Coatesville takes this one home, especially with momentum, and especially with them being a two-seed, Downingtown East being a ten-seed. It's hard, it's hard to pick that big of an upset. Both Nathan and I have been very convinced with Coatesville. They're kind of a favorite pick of ours on that side of the bracket. And like you said, you know, I would feel a little differently if this blowout happened, you know, in week four, in week five, week six. But the fact that it was only a couple weeks ago, you know, a lot of improvement can be can be had in one week. I mean, we saw that especially after State College lost to Harrisburg. We came back and beat Central off in a convincing win. I don't think that that is enough time for Downingtown East to overcome such a massive beatdown by Coatesville. So, I th- we're all sticking with Coatesville for this one, and I would be honestly shocked if Downingtown East won this game. All right, let's move on to Garnet Valley and Pensbury. And Garnet Valley put up 49 points on Pensbury, a three seed versus the 14th seed. And Garnet Valley continues their way through an undefeated season with a convincing victory. Quakertown with the upset win. 26 to 14 in a 6 seed versus 11 seed matchup and they'll move on to face Garnet Valley, Quakertown Garnet Valley in the final district 1 matchup. Who do you guys have? Um Caleb, I'll let you go for it first. Yeah, I mean, I love upsets, but 
Quakertown's 26-14 victory isn't as convincing as Garnet Valley's 49-12 victory. And I know Quakertown is technically above Pensbury in um in our original bracket, but I think Garnet Valley has really good momentum, especially going undefeated this year. So I'm gonna go with Garnet Valley, and I know you two disagree, but I'm gonna have to stick with it. Alright. Listen. We're we're pretty unanimous, me and Nick, on this decision that uh Garnet Valley out of the top three teams in D one is probably the most susceptible team, and I like Quagertown. They're coming in hot, and I'm going to pick them. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's a bold upset. I'll give you that. I mean, I don't think I'm nearly as confident as you are, but I like the momentum, you know. Even pulling out that light victory, I guess you could say, against Pikiomen Valley, um, you know, they only won by 12 points, but... I think in some ways that gives you more momentum, gives you more motivation going into the next week because you grounded out, you got a tough win, and now they're going to come in fired up. Um, so I, I think it's a very winnable game for Quakertown, and I'd love to see the upset. So I'm going with them. Yeah. All right, Amish Paradise by uh, Weird Al Yankovic for all you people. Um the only reason we threw that in is the relation between the word Quaker and Amish. And that's it. <laughs> so. And it's not that close of a relation, but you know what? They're both <laughs> traditionalist Pennsylvanians, so it's good enough for us. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, you throw a Quaker and an Amish person and a Mennonite in an, in an empty room. What happens? <laughs> I've never heard this one before. <laughs> this doesn't end well, does it? They don't do anything, except... Yeah, that, that was a bad joke. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I was expecting that to be like a preformed, you know, something you could find no, on the I internet. No, I just made that no, up. No, you just made it up. Okay, I'm sorry. You that... get Pennsylvania, that's what you get. You get Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> exactly. much. Yeah. All right, let's move into District 3. Um, they have that 18 bracket, which is weird, but we're going to go with it. Uh, Harrisburg is playing our dear old... A favorite team. What the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, we both love Wilson. Everybody loves Wilson. Wilson is that underdog. Um, if they could pull this out, we would all be very, very happy for Wilson because we believe in them. We believe in you, Wilson. And we believe in you so much that none of us picked you against Harrisburg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm sorry, Wilson, but Harrisburg is going to win this. And I have full confidence in that. Yeah, it, Harrisburg is good. They're really, really good. And they're the kind of team that even if you're athletic, you know, even if you're fast, even if you're blowing teams out, it's not always going to matter much against Harrisburg. We definitely found that out the hard way. You know, Wilson can blow out a red line 36 nothing, and think they're all this and that. But Harrisburg is honestly at a different level, you know. It's just, that's, this is the way it is. I mean, Harrisburg is a powerhouse. They're really tough to beat. So... I mean, Wilson did beat uh, Manheim Township earlier in the year, and that's your one 
caveat to this game. I I will also pick Harrisburg, but I think this will be a very close game. I think it's interesting how I uh, picked uh, the fourth team in the state to lose earlier, Neshimony versus North Penn, and then the fifth team, fifth ranked team to beat a Good Wilson team. So, moving on, we got Mannheim Township versus Central Dolphin. Um, Mannheim Township is the two seed, and Central Dolphin is the three seed. So. Not that big of a uh, point spread if we were making spreads anymore between these two teams. Um, and me, I pick Central Dauphin. Who did you guys pick? Um, I actually went different. I'm going to give away Nick's pick here, but I went with Mannheim Township. And you know what? They only won against Chambersburg by three points. But Chambersburg kept it close with a good state college team. So I think that... Central Ch Dauphin, you mean? No, Chambersburg kept it close with, uh, what do you mean? Oh, never mind. I, was, I wasn't listening. All right, Move no, Chambersburg <laughs> kept it close with State College, and I think... No, they didn't. <laughs> Am yeah, I making they, things they up? Did. Oh, no, Cumberland Valley kept it close. Yeah! There we, we go! It, we got oh, I got around. it, yeah. I got it. Okay, yeah. I was like, no, what? never mind. You know what? I'm changing up the pick that I just had, and I'm going with Central Dauphin. Because Central Dauphin, every year, seems to just be one of those teams that is there and playing every Friday. And or Saturday, since it's playoffs. You never know. Yeah, honestly... Manheim Township is a fantastic team, and this is a tough pick for me. It really is. Um, but honestly, Central Dauphin, I think, has a good formula to beat a lot of these teams. And the, the fact that they're a ball control and defensive oriented in some ways football team. And once you get into playoffs, you know, if you can control the time of possession and limit more athletic teams' time on the field, you know, keep their offense off the field, I think that can do a lot. And that's why I'm especially going with Central Dolphin. They don't have as much talent, I don't think, as Manheim Township. They don't have as much athleticism in some ways, but I think their style of play will get them far in the tournament this year, as it does every year. Yeah, this is very much a strength versus strength matchup between Central Dolphin and Manheim Township. And I, although it's two seed versus three seed, and Manheim's a two seed. That uh, Wilson game doesn't give you uh, a lot of pro premise, I guess, for Manheim Township, or promise for Manheim Township. Um, and Central Dauphin has played in a very difficult uh, conference. The Mid-Pen turned out to be a pretty difficult conference for them. So, I, I think, first of all, I would say Central Dauphin probably would deserve to be the two-seed anyway, and I think they get this win. So, I we'll like go on toward Freedom versus Parkland uh, into District 11. And I know who got my pick. Alright, I picked Freedom um, by a lot. Because <laughs> Parkland has been off and on all year. And then two weeks ago, I think we saw this matchup and Freedom beat them very well, so... Yeah, if you're looking at this, you're seeing that Parkland just won 35 nothing over Strasburg. I'm not entirely can I mean, Strasburg is a fifth seed, but I don't know if that's deserved. And Freedom had a less convincing win, but there's only 
there's only it's only excuse me that kind of momentum can only take you so far and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself from earlier when I picked Quaker Town but I think freedom is an instance where they have enough they outclass their opponent enough that they can go out and beat Parkland and the other thing is like I said earlier you know sometimes having a tough win you know freedom only won 14-7 sometimes that kind of win is better than a 35 nothing. Depends on the team, depends on the circumstances. But with this team and these circumstances, I'm taking freedom. Yeah, I'm kind of going to piggyback off of what Nick just said, and I'm going to go with freedom because they're coming off that uh, 14-7 win, and I think coming off that they're going to be angry. And an angry team is the scariest face because they're going to come out guns a-blazing and they are going to do anything to win. Yeah, there's a bit of panic you know, possibly with them. They're like, oh man, you know, we held it close with an eighth seed. We, we've we got to improve the game. Can't, can't mess around anymore in practice this week, though. So hopefully they had a good week of practice, and I think they'll probably uh, tough this one out. Yeah. Next, we have... Emmaus versus Easton. Uh, Emmaus just beat Nazareth 55-40, which is actually... An impressive win, I think, because Nazareth is always a team that is very competitive. And then Easton beat Northampton, Northampton, thirty-nine to nineteen. I've been high on Emmaus for literally the whole year, and I gotta go with them. I'm, um, I'm just not seeing it. I think this is, I think this is one of the upsets. It's only a three seed over two seed, but honestly, I'm looking at Easton's win. It's more convincing than Emmaus. And um, not only that, I, I just think that Emmaus has had a lot of these wins where they squeaked them out. And they, they just haven't been as... They haven't lived up to the hype is basically what I'm seeing with Emmaus. And I think for Easton, this is a very good opportunity for them to come out and prove something. Um, and in that regard, I think... These teams are close enough in town that, that Emmaus has maybe a little less motivation, you know, just because they're they you know they've been hyped up a little more than Easton. They don't have as much of a chip on their shoulder. I'm just going to immediately go to one of the more obvious things. I'm taking Easton simply because of defense. Easton let 19 points. Emmaus let 40 points. 40 points in any game is a lot. And Easton scored 39 points. Good defense, mediocre... uh, Sorry, sorry. Bad defense, maybe a mediocre offense. I'm going to take a mediocre offense over a bad defense any day. And especially when you come into playoffs and you're playing some of these teams where if you let them, they will bury you. And... Being able to control the game on defense, I think, is a big key to winning, especially in November. All right, let's go into District 12. Um, the next four picks, we all pick the exact same thing. So, just a little... <laughs> there's not much in District 12 or District 7 that's going to be competitive, we believe. So, we first off, we got St. Joseph's versus LaSalle College. We all pick St. Joseph's mainly because... Um, St. Joseph's is St. Joseph's, and LaSalle College is not St. Joseph's. 
And there's always that team of all... An upset could happen if St. Joe's half their players get injured or something. So, what are you guys' opinions? I mean, honestly, I, I don't really have much more to say about St. Joe's. We've hyped them up all season. We talked about it a lot last week. You know how good they are. That's about it. You know, I, I'm i not sure, but I'm going to say St. Joseph's probably had their four strings in by halftime. They only won by 38 points, but they also pitched a shutout, and I think that itself is convincing. And they were playing a winless team. Okay, yes, <laughs> yes. Roman but Catholic was winless. I, I think St. Joseph's probably, not going to lie, messed around in practice that week and still came out with a win. I think it's hard to beat St. Joseph's, a powerhouse, with many D1 players. And this might be one of the only teams in the state where you can see them messing around at practice, slacking off in a game, maybe not scoring as much as they possibly could have. I'm not going to criticize them for only scoring 38 points against Roman Catholic. That's stupid. But the fact of the matter is that even when they're not at 100%, they're gonna, they're probably going to beat you. Um, I don't think they have to be at 100% to beat LaSalle College. And even, you know, they they might be at 100%. I mean, they might have, their coaches might have fired them up, but I think either way, they're coming out with a convincing win. All right, let's go into the District 12 public schools now. Um, we didn't have this game on our uh, bracket last week because we kind of messed up, but Central only has two wins on the year. One came in their last game of the year against the Rivals, and then their next win came against in a playoff game against South Philly 23-6, a fourth seed over a one seed. Um, now they play Northeast, who just crushed Abraham Lincoln, who was the two seed, and who I thought was the favorite in that um, little subdivision of District 12 to go all the way. So I'm going to pick Northeast by a lot in this game, simply because Central... Those two, only two wins throughout the whole year. Of course, they did kind of crush South Philly, but South Philly could have had an off night there because that is surprising. I mean, I'm going to keep this short and simple. Northeastern, by a lot, and that is simply because a two-win team cannot win against a a three-seed. I'm sorry, they can't. I don't care if they're the fourth seed. Small division, only have two wins. I'm not buying it. Yeah, and not to mention, both of their wins came recently. Honestly, they probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. It was kind of a Mifflin County situation. And now they're going up against a reality check, honestly. And um, Northeast is their reality check. Yep, and let's go into the Whipple now. Uh, North Allegheny versus Seneca Valley. Seneca Valley winning last week, 15-14 over Central Catholic, so a tough, gritty win against a very good football team. And they play North Allegheny, uh, who got the bye after their win against Pine Richland. And this is kind of an interesting game because uh, this game was close earlier in the year. North Allegheny has been hot lately, and I'll take them. Yeah, it's very difficult to beat a team as good as North Allegheny twice. And further than that, despite the fact that Seneca Valley didn't beat them, I think in some ways it was a moral victory, you know? They were able to play close with what obviously is one of the best teams in the state. 
I don't know if North Allegheny is going to let that happen again this time. Um, they're well rested, and that could make things swing either way. Um, they could play worse or better, but similarly to St. Joseph's, I think no matter what, they should come out with a pretty strong statement this week. Yeah, um, North Allegheny's coming off some good rest, hopefully a good week of practice, um, and you know what? It's hard not to take North Allegheny as a one seed and as a team who beat Pine Richland, which every year I am very high on Pine Richland. I'll get into that later, but I think they are legit. So, therefore, if North Allegheny beat them, North Allegheny is legit. Yeah, that's, you know, they have possibly some of the best momentum in the state after coming off of what is quite possibly the most impressive win in the state a couple weeks ago. And I think that says a lot about their team, and I think that's going to say a lot going into the playoffs. And, and speaking yep. of Pine Richland, sorry for the awkward transition there. Yeah, Mount Lebanon beat Cannon McMillan by 7 points, 38-31. They move on to face Pine Richland. I think it's interesting how the teams are seeded in the Whippeal because it seems like Pine Richland gets the easier matchup between them and North Allegheny, and they will play Mount Lebanon, and I think Pine Richland will take care of business pretty easily, and it'll be a fun re- rematch at Heinz Field in a week. I think everyone is looking forward to that rematch at Heinz Field. I mean, personally, I would be, in some ways, a little disappointed if Mount Lebanon pulled off the upset because they're not going to beat North Allegheny. You know, you're not going to beat a team as good as Pine Ridge and North Allegheny twice, as I just said before. And I, I think a lot of people are really wanting to see that North Allegheny Pine Ridge matchup in the heart of Pittsburgh. You know, it, it's it's going to be a fun, fun game. Yeah, I mean, I just mentioned it. I'm high on Pine Richland just like every year. Um, I think Pine Richland is really good, and the fact that they have multiple linemen going D1 I think is extremely notable. Um, There's therefore no pressure on a young quarterback, so if there's no pressure, anyone could be back there completing passes. So I'm going to take Pine Richland simply because they have a better team. Yeah, that's that's about all there is to it. All right, so we're about 30 minutes into this podcast. I think we better talk about State College some. What do you guys think? Considering <laughs> the fact that this is the State College football podcast, I am ready to talk about our home, our wonderful community of football fans, and um, our win against Al- or bleh, Mifflin County, almost at Altoona. At some points, it felt like Altoona. At some points, they feel like the same team because they're both not that good. And they're but, both in our district. <laughs> yes. But, um, in any case, we pretty much did about as well as you could expect. Um, held them to a touchdown, which is pretty darn good. I mean, we didn't do that in the first game of the year. And I think what Nathan and I said earlier this week was correct, where... You know, Mifflin County has obviously improved a lot this year um, from week one, but I think State College has improved a lot more. Yeah, um, State College with a really dominating win. Um, They came into this game looking to bust some heads, I would say, Uh, and it was really impressive. Uh, The running game, 
Dre and Isaiah, I think this was one of the first games all year where you could say they really worked in tandem really well. Dre was the outside runner who broke a couple, and then Isaiah was the pound-it-into-the-ground pound type of running back. And you, we see spurts of that when they were both on the field. We didn't, we haven't seen them much on the field together. So this was really just a gamer. We got to see both of them, and they both complemented each other really well and gave Tommy Freiberg a lot of um, space, I'd say, to just to play his game. Yeah, I like that. Play his game. It's just, you know, they took some pressure off the quarterback. The offensive line looked good. And honestly, Mifflin County is a physical team. You know, they have a decent defensive line. They have a decent linebacker core. You know, you're not, you're going to expect to see some penetration by them. You're going to expect to see some big defensive plays. Um, generally, they get hurt because they're not as fast as us. But we were able to limit, I think, even their physicality quite well. The offensive line looked good tonight. Yeah, um, I think just state highs athletes are just too much for most every team that we've played this year. We have freakishly fast kids, and we have freakishly strong kids, and we have freakishly tall kids. And I think all those things contribute. I mean, you watch Dre run down the field, and you can see, like, once he gets past the line, no linebacker is catching him, and he's so shifty that the safeties. They're probably on the sideline by now. They're sliding. They've He's already juked him out. I mean, that kid is crazy. And the, the combination of him and Isaiah, there were multiple times where the two of them lined up in the backfield together, and it was who is going to get the ball and what kind of run is this going to be. And that is terrifying for any team playing us because we are going to continue with that. I guarantee it. There's just... It really just comes down to a skill mismatch between these two teams. It's just Mifflin County doesn't have the same type of athletes. And if they did have the same type of athletes, this would be a whole different ball game because their quarterback is one of those very good athletes that in that that's in the class as an Isaiah Edwards or, as a, or Dre Green. And he's the guy that usually whenever we have to play Mifflin County, we got to keep him responsible. But besides him, there's not a lot of weapons he can throw to or guys he can give the ball to that that really offsets state high's athleticism so if you just take that into account it, it it always comes out in the equation as a state college relatively easy win yeah and really i think you know if if their quarterback maybe had a better offensive line you know their offensive line is big but it's not fast as we've mentioned many times and they'll often get beat just by the speed and agility of some of our smaller defensive ends. I mean, Nathan Lusk and Kevin Kurzinger are not really very big at all for defensive ends. I mean, they are not. If you look at them, you know, in the in, in the halls of the school, you would not pick them out as defensive ends on a team. You know, you might say, oh, you know, could be a tight end maybe or, you know, even a big body wide receiver. But you would not pick them out as a defensive end. Um and I think in a lot of ways that has been a big advantage for our team. Um, just playing a little unconventionally. You know, I know we're not afraid to do that at State College. We go for it a lot in fourth down. We run a lot of jet sweeps and stuff that you don't see as much in college. And just trying to, you know, make it more difficult for the inexperienced high school players that we're going up against to predict because we're not, we don't always do things the normal way. Well, you don't just see it in college. You see it. You don't see it a lot in Central Pennsylvania football. 
True. And where, Very true. Where, where Mifflin County players are from, there's not a lot of read option jet sweeps plays being constructed. So there's not a lot of practice they're doing against that type of offense. So, and and the practice they do have against that type of offense, there's not a lot of athletes that have the same skill set. So it's just a strength versus a weakness. Yeah, I mean, in central Pennsylvania, we, I always tell people this, we play pro-style football for the most part, and I think the biggest exception to that is state high. State high plays like a high school. They are crafty with their players, they're crafty with their plays, and and that's hard. That's hard on any team, so I think that's really notable when it comes to big games like this. And sure, the Mifflin County uh, game wasn't the best matchup, but we won by a lot, and our defense did very well. So, that's notable. Yeah, I think if, if you want to get a good analogy for this, if you didn't watch the game or you're not super familiar with how different styles of play can really you know, change a lot about even just the skill of a team, in college, you see teams struggle against the triple option all the time. I mean, because I'm sitting here with Nathan, obviously the example that comes to mind immediately is Georgia Tech, but it's not just Georgia Tech and it's not just Virginia Tech. I mean, Army kept it close with Oklahoma for a long time, and there were times where Army looked like they were going to beat Oklahoma. But at the same time, Army goes and plays Buffalo, and Buffalo blows them out. So there's there's definitely a... Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not here to talk about, you know, why the triple option is great or this or that, or really talk about college football. It's just an analogy that maybe might help you understand that style matters a lot. And in the matchup between Mifflin County and State College, our style of play, because Mifflin County is not used to it, can do a lot of damage. I'd honestly, I'm going to go a little far out on this and compare this to the pros, and I'm going to say that it's a lot like watching the Saints play. The Saints get extremely crafty with their players like Taysom Hale um, and find ways to play their best athletes, and that's something that State High is also really good at. You look at players like Loki Howe, that not only as a wide receiver, but also on special teams, he's a really special player. Yeah, and it's just about you know getting the ball to who can do the most damage, knowing how to use that. You know, We're not just beating Mifflin County with athletes, I think is really what we're trying to get at. You know, we understand, I think, more than most people, you know, in our area and a lot of people in the mid-pen, how to use the best utilize what we have to give our athletes the best chance. Yeah, and uh, just a couple things also uh, we wanted to make a note of was uh, Tommy Freiberg. Congrats to him, the new uh, state high passing leader. Wow. Although the record was set in the playoffs, so I don't know if it counts, but <laughs> it might it might I, I say it counts in my book. <laughs> um I guess it does. So congratulations to him. State High wins their eleventh district title. I'm not sure if that's in the past eleven years or just all time, but <laughs> I'm pretty it might be in the past eleven years because there's not a lot of competition. Um, no offense to Mifflin County. Uh and then Another player we wanted to mention, of course, Keaton Ellis made a beautiful catch in the, as the second touchdown, and uh, our man Caleb got a great picture of it. Shout out to him. <laughs> so, what did it feel to 
get that wonderful picture. Yeah, so actually that that picture I am still shocked that I ever got it. But I I was like focused on Tommy. I was like, "Ooh, he's like perfectly composed for this shot." And I get a shot of Tommy and all of a sudden I see the ball in the air and I'm like, "Keaton's going to catch that, isn't he?" So I quickly like dart my camera over and I get a shot and it's right as he is extending his arm out, one-handed granted. Well, like on crouching with his one leg out. I mean, it's it is the most absurd picture. Well, there's a Mifflin uh, County defender just trying to rob him. So it's it's shocking that he caught it, and even more shocking that I got the photo. <laughs> and can you find that on Twitter? Uh, you can. You can find that not only on my account but also on Keaton Analysis. I'm pretty p- proud of that retweet as well. As Nate Stupars. Ding. Yeah, it is. I gotta say, um, it, it, it is a absolutely gorgeous picture, you know. It's the kind of picture that when I saw it, I was like, why am I the person that's doing this? Honestly. Like, why am I... As... I don't want to put anyone out of a job, Nick. I don't want to put anyone out of a job. Well, here's the thing. I'm a senior. I'm already almost out of the job. I'm, I'm about to go, you know, to who knows where... And if you're interested, obviously, I think all of the state college football community would love to see you honestly improve the quality of our journalism because, you know, Nathan and I have started this, but I think you can bring a lot to it with your skills and your equipment, which I will say as is my biggest complaint. Oh, if only I had a camera that good, you know, yada, yada, yada. I've heard that a thousand times from you. Yep. Yep. If only yeah. we had something beside 3.5 millimeter microphones. <laughs> so. Yeah, yes. we are we are handicapped by the fact that we are poor high school students and don't really have the money to spend on such luxuries as nice cameras and recording equipment. You know what? It's mostly my father. My father does sound for a living. He has a lot of toys. He just always lets me steal them. So you know what? Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Yep, everyone has benefits that come from their parents' work, and that's just his. And once you know it, it happens to fit exactly with what we're trying to do here. So we really appreciate it. All right. Let's just briefly talk about the defense, shall we? I... I think that Nathan Lusk is really, really, really good. You think? Um, he really... I, I... Yeah. He is fantastic. Um, he, fantastic. He probably played the best game of the year two weeks ago against Cumberland Valley. Um, but this, la- this last Friday, he was also very dominant. He was the leader of the defensive line, as usual. And he is always in the backfield. So it's great to see that from him. Uh, another position that we both also wanted to mention because they've really begun a renaissance I would say absolutely was the backfield and we're not just talking about Keaton Ellis um we're mostly talking about Sam Knipe who just got his cast off and he probably played the best game he's played all year Tom Buha was in there making a lot of tackles and big hits and those two guys were really really special in that game and and against a team that really wanted to throw the ball, Mifflin County's quarterback went like nine for twenty six. So yeah, and we're not, you know, we kind of brushed off Keaton. He had an amazing game, a couple close calls with interceptions. Honestly, there were a lot of really close calls with interceptions. You know, 
a lot of plays where, you know, the D-back was just inches away from that ball, you know. But I think the standout players, just from an improvement point of view, you know, Sammy Knipe is definitely up there. I mean, he looked like a different player with his cast-off. I know that's something that you said earlier, Caleb. Yeah, um, I got to play with Sam Knipe in 8th grade, and I knew right from the first practice that he was different. I figured that, like, the immediately he'd be he'd be on varsity because you could just tell with his practice habits and everything that he was he was legit. He he was going to do whatever it took to be good and certainly he looked amazing with his cast off. I mean, he was running around the field like a madman with his hair on fire. It it was fantastic. And I mean, he got just a touch muddy towards the end of the game. Again, I have a picture of that one on my Twitter as well, if you want to see Sam Knipe absolutely covered in mud. Dang. Yeah, the, <laughs> the field was the field was pretty gross, as usual. I mean, that's just Memorial Field. And I think towards the end of the game, he, he just kind of... He was coming off the field, and he just jumped down and, you know, slid, up, <laughs> slid along the ground on the mud. He was like, yeah, you know, pretty much accepting that he was absolutely disgusting and you know whatever man it's football it's rough you know that's that's a reality all right so just quick recap um obviously this game was not as exciting as we would probably wish it would be um but it's a win and 42 to 7 that's a really good win against a Mithil County team that was coming in pretty confident they're throwing a lot of words around on Twitter and uh, we just came down and shut the door on him so good win by our boys but now it's time to move on to the next one for the District 8 or 6-8-10 final uh, we play the winner of Districts 8 and 10 which was McDowell versus Taylor Alderdice Alderdice Alder Dice, Alder, I yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. They lost forty-nine to fourteen to McDowell. This game will be played at St. Francis between State College and McDowell, which is like, <laughs> I, it's like southwest of us, which doesn't make any sense because McDowell is <laughs> is n- northwest of us. Yes, <laughs> it, it, they basically chose. A location that was somehow even farther away from Erie than State College. Yes. <laughs> for for this some reason. It's going to be a very long drive for McDowell. Uh, yeah. Yes. And we're hoping it's going to be an even longer bus ride home because State College, I think, is really looking for a big win. I don't think we're scared of this opponent in the slightest. Yeah, just going over their wins, they played St. Francis. Uh, they... They beat St. Francis 58-33. They beat St. Joseph's of New York, not of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Huge uh, difference. Very different teams. <laughs> very different teams. Yes. And also not St. Joseph's of Bullsburg, which is yeah. even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I Caleb almost drink- just spit out my water from that comment. <laughs> so, yeah, the, those two wins can't, were the first two of the year. Then they played Erie. And they beat them 43-41. to 41. They played Holidaysburg, who we beat, and they beat them by four. West Toronto Prep, 38-20, who was a 5A school, close to them. And then Erie again, and they beat them by a touchdown. And then Taylor Alderdice, 
49-14. Their losses came against Seneca Valley, 30-6. Boardman High School from Ohio. Rip. 21-7. <laughs> Cathedral Prep, 45-6. And Austintown Fitch of Ohio. It's interesting. They played four out-of-state games. Well, there's not a lot of... 6A teams near Erie. Well, the other thing is the New York and Ohio borders probably... I mean, Erie is very close to those states, so I guess it's not that surprising, but interesting. And again, on their schedule, they played Erie twice, so that's that's almost like a Liberty playing New Mexico State twice in a year type of situation where it's like no one will play us uh, and we're too far away, so we're just going to play you guys twice kind of thing. It's kind of ridiculous, but... Um, the only the only loss that I'm even mildly impressed with here is Seneca Valley. I think keeping it close to Seneca Valley is a bit of an achievement, but I think we're a much better team than Seneca Valley. And well, they didn't it, keep it close to Seneca Valley. It was thirty to six. Well, closer than I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, in three of their four losses, they scored less than seven points, and their offense is actually. Really a one-man show, I think. It's the sophomore quarterback, Chris Jukno, who is a dual-threat quarterback. Over 1,300 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and four, uh, over 400 rushing yards. He's really the strength of their offense. Um, but his youth is kind of showing he's had eight picks on the year, which is... A lot. Not, th- yeah, that's a lot, I would say. I mean, considering the fact that he only has 14 touchdown passes. Well, only... You know, I mean, yeah. in high school, that's a lot. And then they have their classic fullback, ram it down your throat guy named Dominic Ferraro, and their O-line is all right. But the one caveat I would have for their offense is that whenever they play a team with a real defense, they really, really struggle. They struggle to score more than seven points, obviously. And But in all their wins, they they have a lot of points. So, you look at those uh, two New York teams, and then Erie, they play, they beat Erie by, or they scored f- over 40 points against Erie twice, um, and then the 49 against Taylor Alderdis. So, their offense is hot and cold, I would say, but it's definitely hot and cold against poorer defenses than ours. Yeah, this is a team that really looks a lot better than they are. Um they get blown out by the best teams and they blow out the worst teams. I don't I wouldn't say that that makes them mediocre or mid-range. Um I would say that this just makes them unique because honestly most teams don't operate that way. Their offense is very young, I would say. And in 2 years McDowell could actually be a real player in 6A, but right now they're too young, they're too inexperienced and they're not consistent enough to the point where they can compete with our defense. Yeah, I mean, I look at those eight picks, and I instantly think, as a sophomore quarterback, to the state-high defense, you could throw six picks in a game. I think pretty easily. I, I really believe that. I feel like they will try to test our secondary, and our secondary is no joke. And, I mean, we just had a full-fledged conversation about it looking really good again. So, I don't know. I can't... I can't trust those eight picks. I just can't. Yeah, this is... Honestly, I'm excited for our secondary for this game. Because they're looking better right now than they have all year. And I would love to see them just light this guy up. I mean, 
This could easily be a game you look back, or James Franklin could look back and say, this is a game where Sam Knight really flipped the switch, where he turned it on from just being another safety who's very good to being a player that is very, very special, and a special guy that they feel they can get easily in the recruiting process. So I don't know if this is a coincidence, but I haven't mentioned this yet. When I tweeted out my picture of Sam Knipe, one of the first likes I got on it was the assistant to the, um, the assistant to the, what is that position called? Uh, scouting director. Ding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, like, third like was from the assistant to the scouting director, which instantly makes me think that they were considering Sam Knight at some point in time and I think this game yeah, could be the point are. yeah I think you... this game could be the point where he proves that he is a D1 player and he can play at a school like Penn State you look um, whenever you see Keaton Ellis on the sidelines for Penn State recruiting stuff Sam Knight is always there right by his side and I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game where he just breaks through because this is a team that's actually going to throw the ball it looks like and We've said that it's kind of like um, calling chicken a little bit. <laughs> I really hope that... Crying wolf. <laughs> I really hope that we that this team is a passing first offense because the games that we have hyped up as being that way haven't really turned out that way, uh, Cumberland Valley being the best example. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the weather was so foul. Now the teams really wanted to take shots downfield. I mean, when your kicker is slipping on the field, you know, that's just, that's a bad sign. But maybe we can, you know, really test our secondary in this game. Maybe we can see them show some serious strength. Um, I'm excited for it because I think that if McDowell comes out swinging and they're taking shots downfield, I think we're going to gain a lot more from that than they are. Just, just... Um, just a little weather preview at St. Francis for Friday. I was just about to talk about that. <laughs> 100% precipitation, 15 degree mile per hour winds. 15 mile per hour winds. You know, <laughs> we I'm can't really, buy a break here. I'm really not looking forward to having our third game in the cold rain in a row. I mean, at this point, honestly, just give me snow, please. Because snow games are fun and rain games are not. Well,. At least not in Pennsylvania when it's November, you know. You can say, oh, you know, you know, play down in Florida in the rain, you know, that's cool. Yes, that's cool in September in Florida. In Pennsylvania, November is not cool, especially if you're not really moving around much, as I do. It could turn into sleep because early the next morning the the um, forecast is for snow for, for St. Francis. So this could turn into a sleeting game, possibly. It's, it's listed at 41 degrees, but... Oh, that, that sounds. Change. Let me tell you, there. I don't. I'm not really somebody that complains about the cold very much. I I enjoy the cold. I like the snow. I like winter time. Forty degrees and raining is the absolute worst. I hate it. And that's what it was like. I for absolutely Valley. hate it. And it was pretty close last week. Um, just just lower the temperature by twenty degrees. Give me snow, please. I think the best way to describe it being 40 and rainy in Pennsylvania is the fact that you will literally feel cold and wet for the next two days. 
on Saturday after the uh, game against Mifflin County when it was so rainy, I was still wrapped in like four layers of clothing and a blanket because I was freezing. And it's going to be even colder. But that is no reason why you should not come out and support your little lines. Only an hour away. <laughs> yeah, it's only an hour away. I mean, how many times do you get a chance to have two playoffs in a row that are that close to State College? Not very often. One being in State College. Yes, one of them being in State College, of course. All right, so before we um, give our picks for this game, let's just talk about their defense and... I'm not seeing a lot from their defense as far as ability or talent or anything. Um, in three of their six wins, they gave up more than four, 30 points. And in three of their four losses, they gave up more than 30 points. Their only loss that they gave up less than 30 points was against Boardman of Ohio. I am not... Oh, I feel like this is a team... Or this is a team we could score 40, 50 points on... With our starters, relatively easy. Depending on Tommy Freiberg's status, which we are slightly unsure of at this moment, but... Thankfully, <laughs> it sounds like Tyson Brennan is going to be okay. He was taken off the field during the game last week, but we have very unofficial confirmation that... Basically, we called Shane Cole before the podcast, and he's like, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> no, he's fine. Which um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, which listen, Nick, listen. No, let me tell this story. Let me let me tell this story, okay? So we're like we're sitting here about a minute before we record and we're like, you know what, we really need to know what's going on with Tyson Brennan. He's a leader on the defense, he's a great linebacker, yada yada yada, right? So we're like, okay, let's just call him. So we call <laughs> we call Shane Cole and he answers and Nathan's like, Hey, we just want to know, how's Tyson Brennan feeling? He, and Shane says he's fine. I interpreted that as his spine. And I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, my goodness. He hurt his spine. Are you kidding me? Like, this is – he's probably never going to play football again. I was like, it didn't look that bad on the field, but it must have been a lot worse than I thought. And then he's like, no, 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 he's fine. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm really glad that I was wrong because that would have been tragic. Getting off this little tangent story thing, <laughs> their defense is not great, and I think we won't have trouble scoring points. So, just like all year, absolutely. I, this is a very Holidaysburg-esque defense, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter who our quarterback is by Friday night, I'm not worried about our ability to score points because I don't care if we line up all night and have Isaiah and Dre take direct snaps. I think our offense is still deadly. And I'd like to point out that Dre is one for one this year in passing, so maybe Dre will be our quarterback. And so, I believe, is Addison Darcy, so that is diverse <laughs> options. You know, you can hit him with the old one-two, the, uh, the, you know, the, the sly dual-threat quarterback with Dre Green, and then put in the hammer, <laughs> otherwise known as um, Addison Darcy, punter and defensive tackle and sometimes quarterback, so which you, is amazing. So you take Addison Darcy off the line, um, <laughs> put him put him under center, and then, like, have him snap the ball, hand off, hand it off, and have him block, like, run over real there quick. There we go. <laughs> no, I was wondering, like, is it possible as a, like, 
I feel like Addison Darcy could just hold out one hand and block for himself as he uses his right hand to throw the football. He'd like, have a nasty stiff arm, I think. I think he'd have the nastiest <laughs> stiff arm on the team. I feel like... Okay, you know what? This holding is going way the, off topic. Holding on, on the quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's pick this game. I think State College wins this pretty easily because there's definitely a talent mismatch on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. There, if it's just inconsistent. So even if, even if McDowell shows up and plays to their peak on offense, it's it's gonna be a shootout. So. At the very best for McDowell, it's a shootout. So, State College, easily. Easily. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about this. We've talked about it for the last 15 minutes. State College is going to win it. It's going to be a convincing win. Honestly, I feel much better about this game than even, you know, Cumberland Valley. I, I, I feel I'm better much about, more confident this about this game than Mifflin County last week. I don't know if I'd go that far, but... I felt, it's definitely I felt much more place. scared about Mifflin County the last week coming in with their fan base and just pulling pulling up uh, pulling out the upset at home when we were coming in really confident. The old spoiler. The but old spoil I think win. I think the players are taking this game more seriously than they took the Mifflin County game. Very true. Very and true. And that's good, but I'm not scared. I'm more scared of Mifflin County than I am of this team. I am more scared of what is happening next week. I am already thinking about next week. I am really not worried about uh, McDevitt, or sorry, McDowell. I think the what state college like. team is extremely good, and I don't think there's too much of a problem. What a segue we got, just got from Caleb there as we move into our pick for our final pick. Um, the winner of this game will play us, and it is the Districts 4 and 2. Um, playoff and the winner, yeah, four and two, but they're both from District Two because Williamsport is the only team from District Four, so really just District Two. But it's Delaware Valley against Hazelton, and uh, Caleb, I'll let you start off with this pick. Yeah, um, I've got Delaware Valley. I think Delaware Valley is a pretty convincing team. I mean. A 26 to nothing win I immediately look at as a good win. Um, Hazleton won by 47, but also let Williamsport put up 13. Um, I like defense's pitching shutouts. What can I say? I think I think it's pretty convincing for Delaware Valley. Delaware Valley has been very, very strong. We saw them play a very, very strong game against Williamsport, and that really... It set them f- over for me, or won me over, and I think Delaware Valley will win this game because they are definitely the best team in uh, districts four and two, and uh, I think they get 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 this game an easy, not an easy win, but it's gonna be competitive. But Delaware Valley will pull it out just because they have the advantage. We played Delaware Valley last last year, right? Yes, in the same we spot. Eerie. Yes. Yeah. So, we're seeing pretty much a repeat of last year. But I don't think that we're going to see a repeat of last year. Entirely. What? I think <laughs> there's the genuine there's the genuine surprise maybe. I'm I'm picking Hazelton for the kind of upset on this one. Um I like their win at Williamsport. I know you're saying yes, but a 47 to 13 win at Williamsport is not that convincing. But you know what? 
It's playoff season, right? They're coming out of this fired up. They know that Williamsport's bad. We knew that Mifflin County was bad. That doesn't mean that we're a bad team, you know? I mean, you have to remember, we didn't. We, we beat Mifflin County by less than, um, than Hazleton beat Williamsport in the first game of the year. And I would contend that despite the fact that Williamsport's terrible, I don't think they're quite as bad as Mifflin County. Can you agree with me on that? Yes. So, I think that this is a very winnable game for Hazleton. I like him on it. I'm just pulling up the playoff bracket from two years ago because um, two years ago, we were also in a very similar situation where we beat McDowell two years ago. I actually got to play them two years ago. And then, of course, Erie last year. Um, but after we beat McDowell two years ago with Brandon Clark and all of them, uh, we played Williamsport. And I was thinking, how far the mighty have fallen? Because Williamsport won that game convincingly. And <laughs> it's been two years. And they have just really, all the life has been sucked out of that team. Um, ranked before the season fifth, ahead of us, ahead of North Penn, ahead of Garnet Valley, ahead of all these other teams... Um, and it, it's just impressive how bad they have gotten so quickly. Yeah, it, it, it is pretty insane. I, I remember that loss to Williamsport. It was tough, you know? We had a lot of confidence going into that season, going into the playoffs, you know, similar to this year. But I don't think we're going to make the same mistake. I think we're winning our next couple games. So I'm, I'm trying to pull up the uh, bracket here. So I can see how far Williamsport got in those playoffs because I know St. Joe's ended up winning that championship, uh, but I I don't know anything else about that year. I, that was my first year here. So, in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and do my first prediction because I already have one that I thought of and I think it's a pretty good one. Oh wow! This is <laughs> look at the bracket from two years ago. Uh, St. Joe's prep over Central Catholic in the championship, and then. Central Catholic beat Wilson the week before to make it to the championship. Classic Wilson. Classic Wilson. <laughs> Anyways, my prediction, which you so rudely interrupted. Williamsport, just... I'm interrupting you again. <laughs> Lost to Central Catholic the week after. All right, what's your prediction, Nick? <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. no. The prediction's coming at the end. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, first you have to but do Garnet your... Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Garnet Valley beat Perk Valley, and then lost to North Penn. So North Penn made it to the semifinals. Good for them. All right. Can I get a prediction? And Sport made it to the. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm reminiscing about this great. Uh, uh, it's just all the familiar names: Parkland, Freedom. They're all there in that 2016. It's like that episode of SpongeBob. It's like, you know, these are all the friends I need. You've got Penny and Napkin and Chip. Do you remember that? With the photosynthesis when he was in, inside the whole, you know? By the way, Wilson went 10-1 and one that year. All right, I'm tired of talking <laughs> well about done. the 2016 playoffs. What is your prediction? I won't interrupt you. All right, but I'm going to ask you to because I, need, I need you to do the prediction song. Predictions, predictions. What are we predicting? Alright, now that I'm good and comfortable, <laughs> I predict that we will not attempt a field goal or a punt in this game. 
That's not that bold of a prediction. I don't think that's that bold. I'm at, at but, first I thought, but at first I was like, that's pretty bold, Nick, and then I was like, no, it might actually not oh, be. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you're saying field goal, not point after. At first I immediately went point after, and I was like, no, you're crazy. But field no, goal or field punt. goal or punt. That's very possible. That's very. Possible. I mean, we I go for we go for it on fourth down whenever we're within our own thirty-five yard line. So. <laughs> Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I you know, I I think it's it's a very real possibility. I don't think it's sort I wouldn't say that it's extremely likely, but I'm I'm fairly confident that it could it could happen. I think we're not gonna have to see a lot of special teams in this game. I think our offense shows up big and is just able to drive the ball, you know. If we can get that complimentary run between Isaiah and Dre, I, I don't think there's going to be much that can stop us, even if Tommy is not 100%. That's actually a really good segue, and I'm going, I think, a little more bold than you, but my prediction is that State High will have 400-plus rushing yards. Nice. I That's think a good prediction. Dre has had <laughs> amazing games. Last week, he had 215 yards-ish. I'm not exactly sure on that. And I have no clue what Isaiah's numbers were, but it had to be near 400. So I'm thinking against a subpar defense, um, I think 400 isn't out of the realm of possibility. So that's going to be my prediction. All right. For my prediction, um, Cam McCurdy was on our live show, and he was complaining, you guys never talk about hockey. What's up with that? And we're like, <laughs> well, because nobody cares. <laughs> so none of you are probably going to understand this or be able to check if I'm right or not. Um, but Thursday night, State High plays a home hockey game against Central Cambria, who is actually a good team almost every year. Um, they're not a great team. They're above average. But State High has a really special team this year. Um, again, there's no way you can check me on this because you don't know where the league website is like I do and and nobody ever goes to the games so I think that they will beat Central Cambria by 7 goals or more wow because this team is really really good I think and they got a lot of good seniors that are that have promising skill and I, I just like this team a lot so there you go Cam we talked about hockey <laughs> I like it. It's it's always nice to get pulled out of our little bubble of football and realize that there are things that are important besides football. I I do I am a hockey fan. I love hockey, but I got to be honest with you, when it's football season, I can't get into it, you know? I'm I'm not a fan of basketball. I'm sorry. I'm not. I've yeah, never I'm liked hurt. I'm hurt. My, my dad, my dad loves basketball plays basketball every Friday with a bunch of teachers, grew up playing basketball, watches basketball. Caleb, are you into professional or collegiate basketball? Because I would like, if it's professional, please defend yourself why you think professional is a good sport. No, I am I am mainly <laughs> into a professional basketball. And I, I just think their games tend to be much better than... Uh, at least college level. I, I'm not that familiar with um, high school level basketball, but I think pro basketball can be very fun to watch. But collegiate basketball is more fun because it's more competitive. And games the games matter. 
Debatable. <laughs> like, okay, a Bucks versus, like, Mavs game this time of year doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, granted, with how long basketball season is, many games end up being irrelevant, even if they're good games. And most but... of them are not <laughs> good games. True. Okay, <laughs> sorry to bring this back to what I was originally trying to say. <laughs> back to but... I'm not I'm not a fan of basketball. And so hockey has to fill that void. You know? And, I like hockey too, actually. I mean I'm all about football, hockey, and basketball. Like those are the three. I can't get into baseball. I just can't do it. Yeah, baseball's boring. I yeah. I'm also a very passionate Penn State wrestling fan. So that that helps a lot too, but you don't get to see Penn State wrestling as often as you get to see hockey. So hockey's cool. And maybe we'll talk about it later. But first, we gotta do plugs. So, you can follow me at NickHoss75 for live updates. I apologize. I actually had some people asking me, Hey, why weren't you tweeting as often on, on the game on Friday night? Unfortunately, because it was raining, my phone was not working very well. But, I was able to get it working in the end. So, all is kind of good. Or, you can email me at NickHoss75 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter because I retweet a lot of State High stuff and also post, like, game time sometimes. And then... Sometimes. Like, like we were trying to find out this where the heck the McDowell game is going to be played or what time. So I was, I was uh, refreshing Max Preps, like, every hour. And then it finally said Friday, but it didn't say time or location. So I was like, hey, it's going to be on Friday. <laughs> Vita flexed We're on Nick's <laughs> <laughs> literally his own personal flex show over here. He's just... Bring Alter- out the gun show, Nick. Alternatively, you can check out Caleb at CalebCraig20, I believe, on Twitter. You'll probably realize when there's a whole bunch of state high football photos. <laughs> That's me. Ding. Very professional, good looking photos of my dad. And that pretty much wraps up. We can also. Um, if you're listening to this episode, Nathan has linked the link to our website. And the bracket. And the bracket Actually, in the description. Actually, I stopped linking the website. I just link Western PF Football now because... Well, that is our, our website, website now. Our website is basically obsolete. Because <laughs> yeah. I stopped caring about it. <laughs> in any case, you can check out the description for more information. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. It'd be really neat. We'll put it on the show if you like. Or if you don't like, that's okay too. Whatever's cool with you guys. With Grella's fellas. Grella's fellas versus Nick's, Nick's house. And Caleb's... Craig. Craig's. I don't know. <laughs> Craig's Caleb's. I don't know. <laughs> How does it feel to have two first names? Um, it's, it's real rough when you get substitute teachers. Craig? Craig? Are there any Craig's? Yeah, my last name. Well, I have a I have a good friend that I work with who is Haitian, and his name is Smith Paul. Which <laughs> now I gotta say, he is an amazing dude, and he's actually a very very good soccer player. But that, I mean, it's interesting because, like you said, like because they always have the uh, the names swapped for bureaucratic stuff, so it's just it just messes everything up. In any case, this has been a long ramble, so I think it's just about time to say goodbye. Just a special announcement, Caleb, who is on this podcast, will be the future podcaster. 
how do you feel about that? You, we're, we're graduating, of course, so we won't be around. So we found two suitable replacements, I'd say. Um, Caleb, of course, and Alan, who is on the field with us for the Central Dauphin East game. So we can hopefully have Alan on future maybe we can get all four on sometime maybe after we lose <laughs> Ooh, don't say that we're making a state run this year i'm calling it now it was called by zach betts in like week two but whatever man <laughs> well you know what this is my first time on i'm calling the state run i think this is the team to do it just saying and on that positive note this has been the state college football podcast go little lines mm-hmm.